Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Hey guys, it's me, Nick, your host of Nick's Nerd News. And we're almost at the end of November, people. Can you believe that? We're almost to the end of 2019, and we are about to start a new decade. A new decade, people. A new decade. I'm, I'm not kidding. This is crazy, is it not? Like, oh my god. Oh my god. It, it, it's, it's, it's nuts to think about that it, it's going to be 2020. But with that, we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Disney Plus launched. We're going to end the show with our Mandalorian breakdown of Episode 1 and 2. Got a lot to talk about with Pokemon and Jedi Fallen Order and the Switch and Xbox XO 2019. And whole lot of other stuff. Uh, first of all, though, as usual, let's just jump right into video games. No, 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 uh, riffraff, no, no fluff today, because I don't want to waste anyone's time, because uh, we got a lot of stuff to get into. Jedi Fallen Order is out. I have put a couple hours into this it's very fun. I'm playing on Jedi Master difficulty. There's about four difficulties. That's second hardest. And it's a nice fun blend between the Force Unleashed. A lot of callbacks to that in terms of playability and, and things like this. Uh, some Uncharted vibes just with the climbing and the parkour type elements, if you will. Uh, and, and engaging with the environment while running, uh, which is more respawns thing because it is respawn. Uh, and and I've seen a lot of comparisons to Souls type games with the the dodging that's required and and you can't just power your th- your way through a lot of things like you would in in some other Star Wars games. Uh, it does require a lot of more uh, nuanced approaches, and and definitely I can see the that's where I can see the Souls uh, connections, if you will. And it, it's it's a bit of a challenging game, and I welcome that. It, it's been a while since we've had a good, challenging Star Wars game. The graphics are great. The voice cast is great so far. I've only made it to the second planet. I'm going to get a lot more in uh, with the Thanksgiving week coming up, get some extra time off of work, got family in town, things like this. So um, hoping to knock that out soon. The other big game, though, that came out is Pokemon. Uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield released. With that, I, I also got my first Switch. Um, and before I talk about Pokemon, I just want to talk about my Switch real quick. I did get the newer version, uh, if you will, with the longer battery life. I uh, It feels kind of cheap to me. The dock seems like a cheap plastic. And the unit is a little more open than I thought and, and exposed. It doesn't feel quality inside so- uh, when it's in my hand. And I feel like the 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 three hundred something bucks it cost is more for the screen than anything. The Joy Cons do not feel like a premium product. The like I said, the console itself does not. The just the whole concept of of the Switch is now that I own one is is just kind of like it's it costs this much for this thing. I, I feel like if I, like, tap this wrong, it's going to disintegrate in my hands. And it's a little upsetting. It really is. And then again, it just it's classic Nintendo. Their stuff never feels like high-quality build. Like, compared to an Xbox, compared to a PlayStation, those things feel solid. They feel worth the money you're paying for them. They don't feel like they're going to crumble in your hands. They don't look like... They're just, like, open and exposed to the elements. And, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I just gotta get used to it. I mean, it's gonna be docked most of the time for me. So, 
at the end of the day, as long as the dock holds up, that's all that matters, even though it feels like a, a cheap plastic. Um, I did start playing Shield. I'm, I'm going to hold off for a little bit. I'm going out of town for work in December, so I'll be able to knock those games out then because I won't be able to take the real consoles with me. But it just, the game crashed on me. It's really disjarring because, don't get me wrong, there, this game is a vast improvement over previous games. And th there's still some some really big flaws with me. This is a game that came out in 2019 and it still doesn't have voiceover acting. And it, it's really weird watching a game where you have to read the subtitles and things and just see, like, sit in silence as you listen to, like, the really cheesy music. This is a Switch game, mind you. Okay? A Switch game. And I'm sitting here and no one's talking. But then again, that's Nintendo, and I don't know what their issue is with, with voiceover casts. The other thing is, for this being on, on Switch and being up on the big screen, and then I was kind of playing it in handheld mode too, the, uh, the game isn't super crisp visually. Like, there's a lot of I don't know how you say it. Like, the lines are kind of blurry. Like, it's a little pixelated at points. And I'm just like, what? what is this? Come on, Game Freak. This is your time to shine on a handheld... Not a handheld. On, on a home console, finally. And you're dropping the ball big fucking time on this. And I, I don't know. It's It's got a lot of elements from what I've seen of, of Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu. Like, stuff in the grass and a lot of overworld Pokemon... I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't like the controller setup in a way. Just in, in it, it underutilizes all the buttons on the controller. And the, con the, the way it's laid out is really odd as well. Like you press the X button to get to the menu. Like, no, what? The start button. What, what planet? Ugh. It, it, it's clear they went from using a handheld and didn't really think about the the idea that there's going to be multiple um, multiple buttons. I mean, hell, the DS had four buttons and they they didn't do that. There wasn't an I can't remember now, and, and I'm probably going on this rant anyway. That's really weird when you go from playing uh, PlayStation and Xbox and there's a technically a start button that opens the menu. I don't like the map in the new one. It's very um, it's very childish, I would say, and I we all know that Pokemon caters more to adults at this point. Yes, it caters to children, but I'm sure there's more adults playing it at this point, and just other little things that, that are just quality of life stuff that just seems odd for a game, a franchise that's 20 years old. And they've had a chance to perfect things over the years, and, and they're kind of left out. And I, I was reading more, and, you know, the whole Dexit thing is still pissing people off. And I come to find out that a, one of the new Pokemon has 60 fucking variations. Like, really, Game Freak? Was that necessary to make 60 variations of, of one type of Pokemon? You spend your time doing that when you, you could be putting amazing legendaries and starter Pokemon from other generations in the game. And then, even more so, almost half the Alola Pokemon aren't in there, like the Pokemon from Sun and Moon. Like those, those are brand new Pokemon. How? I'm I'm done. I'm done wasting my breath over that. Yes, there's things to be excited about in in. Uh, what what are we on? Um, Sword and Shield. Yes, there's a lot of stuff that makes it a console game, but at the same time, there's a lot of quality of life improvements that that should be there in a game in 2019 on a handheld console that we've seen epic things like Super Mario uh, Odyssey, Breath of the Wild, uh, uh, Legend of Zelda, uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Like, there, there's no excuse. No excuse for what Game Freak has done. Zero. It, it makes... The, it, it boggles the mind. 
and it, it's just it's not worth wasting breath over anymore at this point. And one final thing, a lot of the new Pokemon designs are are just odd in general. The final evolution of Scorbunny, the fire starter, looks like a Digimon, which is God damn it. I and he's not even the only one that looks like a Digimon. It's just a few of them look like they they got new designers and they're not designing them in a way that goes with the old style Pokemon designs. It just it doesn't I I don't know. It it's odd. And a few of the other one ones are odd as well and they just they don't look like Pokemon anymore, and that's what's... They don't... I, I don't know. I'm done. I'm done talking about it. I'm done talking about it, because then I'm going to get pissed off, and then I'll never play the damn game. But m- moving on. Moving on. Xbox had their... Uh, I What I'm guessing is going to be their now annual XO event. Uh, last year it was in Mexico. This year it was in London. Uh, a lot of new announcements, essentially... Obsidian announced their new game called Grounded. Uh, it will release in early access next spring. It, it almost looks like uh, it takes place in like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, where you and friends are are the size of like bugs living in the grass and stuff like that. Looks interesting. Uh, Don't Nod Studios, the makers of Life is Strange, uh, show off their next game called Tell Me Why, uh, expected to release next summer. Uh, Rare also showed off, or previewed, I should say, their next game called Everwild. Looks pretty cool. Uh, really awesome creature designs. Uh, no no release date on that, so I, I don't expect that game to drop for a, a year, t- at least a year or more, more than likely. Uh, some Game Pass news. Uh, we'll be getting Final Fantasy 7 through 10, 10, 2, and all three versions of Final Fantasy 13 as well as Final Fantasy XV. That's a big, big news. Uh, The Witcher 3 will be going. Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition on PC. Rage 2 uh, and Project X Cloud will be joining joining the mix. And speaking of Project X Cloud, they actually added a whole lot of new games uh, to that. Uh, So it started with Halo 5, Gears 5, Forza, things like this. They've added games like Ace Combat 7, Ark Survival Evolved, Borderlands 2, Crackdown 3, Darksiders 3, Devil May Cry 5, um, Halo Wars 2, Hellblade, Hitman, Just Cause 4, Killer Instinct, uh, Madden 20. I'm just reading off some of them because I have the app on my phone. Sea of Thieves, ReCore, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, Soul Calibur 6, Subnautica, Tekken 7, uh, Vampire, the one spelled with a Y, World of Warships, a, a lot of games they've added to it. So you, you can play those on, on your phone, essentially, I'm guessing, if you have the main game on your, on your Xbox account, which is uh, pretty awesome. Uh, also coming to game, game Pass and to Xbox for the first time ours is the Yakuza series. Uh, Yakuza 0 and then Kiwami, Yakuza Kiwami 1 and 2. Uh, I've been complaining about this for a while, but now it's official. Kingdom Hearts 1.5, 2.5, and 2.8 will be releasing on Xbox in the next few months. So if you don't have a PS4 and you wanted to get a recap on the series bef- uh, before you play 3, even though 3's been out on both systems now for quite a few months, now is your chance th- to do so. Uh, Wasteland 3, which is the new game from In Exile, will release in May of next year. Uh, some cool new indie games were announced, uh, including one called West of Dead, which looks really cool and has Ron... Um, can't think of his name. Uh, he plays Mr. Krabs on Spongebob. Uh, got some better looks at Ninja Theory's new game, Bleeding Edge, uh, which is supposed to do be out in March. Uh, that was previewed at, at E3 as well, or Gamescom, if I remember. And it's kind of like a, a melee brawler. Uh, we got a new trailer for Age of Empires 4, and it looks 
great. Hopefully that game does not get delayed and still comes out next year. And uh, biggest news, though, of XO, Halo Reach will be coming to the Master Chief Collection on December 3rd for everyone who already owns the game. And it will be the first game released as part of the MCC Collection, Master Chief Collection, on PC December 3rd as well. Uh, you can purchase Nintendo, or Nintendo, you can purchase uh, Halo Reach by itself on Steam or the Microsoft Store, or you can buy the Master Chief Collection as a bundle uh, with the games to come out as they're ready on PC. But first game will be Halo Reach. So that's, that's the biggest news out of that. We finally have an official release date on that. Uh, that's it for XO 2019. That's some, some awesome news, actually. Uh, especially for people who want to play the Kingdom Hearts games and, and didn't have a PS4. Uh, Google Stadia will have launched by the time you have heard this. Uh, already e expected on launch was Tomb, the Tomb Raider trilogy, the, re the reboot trilogy, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Destiny 2, Just Dance 2020, Mortal Kombat 11, and Red Dead Redemption 2. As of right now, no word yet on if they are going to add more games to launch, uh, but that comes out on the 18th or the... No, excuse me, the 19th, uh, so on Tuesday. And uh, Jeff Kaplan, the studio head at Blizzard... Is he the studio head? Uh, let me double-check, actually. Excuse me, he's the game director of Overwatch, and the, uh, I'm pretty sure he's high up at Blizzard as well. Uh, yeah, he's the vice president. I uh, had to say this, I was relieved when they reduced his suspension, and I think the suspension should be reduced more or eliminated, but that's just me. I'm obviously a huge supporter of free speech. It's something that's very important to me. It got me, it got to me personally. I think the punishment was too harsh, and I was greatly relieved when they gave his money back. I think that was extremely important. Uh, he also said that Blizzard moved too quickly, and I think as individuals we all have very different feelings about what happened in regards to the Hearthstone tournament in Blitzchung. There's a lot of very different reaction among all of us, obviously. Um, but it's clear that some people at Blizzard maybe didn't agree with what uh, what came down from the top. So hopefully that leads to maybe some more reinstatements on, on Blitzchung's part. Uh, a new job listing from Naughty Dog hints at a possible multiplayer project. No word yet on if that has been verified or not. Um, also... There is a, a leak that came out from Activision and Call of Duty, and it looks like we may be getting a battle royale of some sort in the game. They already have these large-scale maps for, like, big team battle type stuff, and, like, 20 on 20, that are, uh, the map is, it's technically one map that they just uh, use different sections of for the, for the game. Uh, they're also utilized in, like, the multiplayer missions that are available, and it looks like that map will be part of what is going to be this purported battle uh, battle royale version. Uh, no word yet on if it's Blackout mode version 2.0 or not, as that launched with Black Ops 4 last year. And um, I guess 2K, the makers of a lot of games and their big publishing video game publisher, apparently their Twitter got hacked. And... Uh, said some some racist shit and some really bad things uh, that uh, probably shouldn't be repeated. And I'm not going to repeat them here. Uh, and they did say to... Um, let me see if I can say some things on here that maybe aren't too bad. Yeah, no, it's not worth looking up. Uh, they did put out a statement, though, to Eurogamer... Social media accounts across the 2K label were compromised early Friday evening. Unfortunately, offensive material was posted that does not reflect the values of 2K or our partners. We condemn these posts and apologize to everyone offended by the content. Yeah, that's not that's not good because they're already having uh, 
they're already having problems with the most recent WWE game. And it's it's not good for for them to be hit with something like that because it's just it puts a bad taste in the community's mouth, if you will. But such is life, folks. And finally, uh, got some news out of Bioware and EA. Allegedly, a new Mass Effect game is being worked on, but that's going to be really odd because apparently they're also overhauling Anthem completely with the help of all their studios. Uh, Jason Schreier at Kotaku, who is the king of scoops, if you ask me, uh, says, um, let me just pull up the article here and read some of it. And uh, it's being called Anthem 2.0 or Anthem Next. Uh, He says that many of the details are still in flux and there's no clear timeline for Anthem Next project just yet. In In fact, excuse me, From what I've heard, the developers at Bioware haven't even described or decided how it'll be distributed. They're still figuring out whether updates should be released all at once or over an extended period of time. Anthem could be overhauled through a series of updates a la No Man's Sky. It could get a game-changing expansion like Destiny's critically acclaimed Taken King. Most of Anthem's biggest systems, its mission structure, its loot, its world will change drastically, but the developers have not yet figured out exactly what they will look like. They're even considering releasing Anthem Next as a brand new game, although those who work on the project said that could take a lot of forms, and it's unlikely they'll charge full price to Anthem players. Uh, Schreier goes on to say, There's one thing that's for sure is that Bioware has not abandoned Anthem despite recent breathless declarations that the game is dead. Right now, dozens if not hundreds of developers at both of Bioware's offices in Austin and Edmonton are quietly working on plans to overhaul the game. Uh, This is a quote from them directly. We spent a few months just tearing it down and figuring out what needed to change fundamentally, and we've been rebuilding for another few months since. Whoa, that's big. That is very big if that turns out to be true. Um, A lot of people have also left Bioware in the meantime, and uh, just... This is a really big article if you guys want to check it out. Like I said, it is on Kotaku. Uh, Jason Schreier is probably one of the best people in games media. And he, like I said, he gets the best scoops. But but that's on there, and it goes in depth about a lot of things. And, and like I said, a- Anthem looked like it could have been really awesome. And unfortunately, just something happened in, in the meantime where it just did not come out the way it was sold or how everyone expected and and for a game that was supposed to be hailed as like a destiny killer it it just it didn't pan out that way and it was boring and didn't play well and it just it felt hollow and that's the problem you should never release a game that you want people to keep playing for like a long period of time and have it be empty and hollow, especially when you've been working on it for a long amount of time. That was the problem Destiny had when it first launched. So if you're going to have a, release a game that's supposed to go up against Destiny, don't do or make the same mistakes they did when they launched their game. That's how you kill it on arrival. And that's kind of what happened with Anthem. And that's unfortunate. But, I mean, not not everything's perfect. And unfortunately, Bioware took a big hit, and hopefully hopefully they can bounce back with Dragon Age 4 and then another Mass Effect game after that. But that is it for Pokemon, uh, excuse me, Pokemon, for video games. Uh, speaking of Pokemon, there's one last thing I did want to say. Uh, be careful with the game. Uh, right now, I know there is an autosave feature that could be bricking the consoles, uh, and like wiping your game save files, so uh, it is as, it is advisable to turn off the auto save function in the game. Moving on though, on to TV. Disney Plus is out, folks, and uh, we'll talk about the Mandalorian at the end. Uh, some of the other shows on Disney Plus are really cool that I started watching. Uh, it was very easy to sign up, despite the fact that I know launch day had some some turmoil. Uh, I was able to sign up on launch day with with relative ease. Uh, I went for the bundle, which is probably one of the best bundles in streaming. It's twelve ninety nine for Disney Plus, Hulu, 
and ESPN Plus. And it was actually, like I said, it's very easy. Because I already had a Hulu account, I could sign in with that. They had my billing information there and ready. And they're just like, oh, okay, here you go. You're all logged in. I was like, well, that was easy. <laughs> Way easier than I expected. Um, pretty user-friendly for the most part. Unfortunately, they had to get rid of the continue watching feature, which is expected to be back in early 2020. Uh, I know some people were having issues watching The Mandalorian and some other shows on launch day. And um, so a, a large catalog, like I said, large catalog of stuff. Even my mom was able to find something that she hadn't seen in a long time on there pretty quickly. Um, speaking of like older movies, there's an interesting tidbit on some of them. They do have a warning that says, may, conta may contain outdated cultural depictions which is good on them. They just don't ignore it, but they don't take it out either. Just telling people like, hey, things were different in the past, so understand that. Um, most notably, that is on Dumbo. Uh, allegedly, I, I don't know if this was confirmed or not, I think Disney said this, but about 10 million plus subscribers signed up on day one, which is a huge get for a new service like that. And it's it's actually kind of shocking that that, that many people signed up. Um... It also has uncensored episodes of Gargoyles for the first time in decades. And when I say uncensored, there's some violence-related things that were in the original airing that have been in, not been in subsequent airings. Um, also, there is some controversy regarding the Simpsons aspect ratio. Remember, Disney Plus is now the only place to watch the Simpsons. Um, and it, it had a... a a certain widescreen angle that was also on the FXX app that people did not like. Um, they're only available in a 16 point or 16 nine widescreen aspect ratio instead of the classic four, three, um, which is essentially per IGN, unfortunate cropping that killed visual gags. Disney says it plans to restore the four, three ratio in 2020, uh, direct quote from them. We presented the Simpsons in 16-9 aspect ratio at launch in order to guarantee visual quality and consistency across 30 seasons. Uh, this is to The Verge. Over time, Disney will roll out new features and additional viewing options. As part of this, in early 2020, Disney will make the first 19 seasons and some episodes of season 20 of The Simpsons available in their original 4-3 aspect ratio, giving subscribers a choice of how they prefer to view the popular series. So that's good. Uh, crisis averted there. Um, crisis averted, especially if you're a big Simpsons fan. I know they take that stuff very, very, very seriously. Um, John Favreau said that uh, if he has his way, he does want to make a new Star Wars holiday special. Uh, the original of which is not on Disney+. Plus, uh, and he would like to do it with the Mandalorian... Uh, or Pedro Pascal's character from from the show. Uh, and that would uh, be interesting if that actually happens. I doubt it, though. I doubt it. Titans has been renewed for a season three on DC Universe and is expected to launch sometime in the fall of 2020. Uh, no word yet on if they're adding new characters or uh, if they're bringing back Bruce Wayne, things like this, as season two has yet to end uh, streaming right now. Uh, we also got a new trailer for the Harley Quinn show. Uh, it is premiering next week. Um, I, I think they're going a little too heavy-handed when it comes to the R-rated stuff. Don't get me wrong, I, I welcome that. I just think that it's a little bit of overkill, at least what I saw in the trailer. And some of it might be just a tad bit unnecessary, uh, over the top, and... And uh, gratuitous, that, that's the word I was looking for. I just, I hope they it doesn't kill the show. I hope it, it finds a way to blend that stuff in nicely. Like Rick and Morty, which uh, we'll talk about two episodes at a time since they're only doing five. And, and Bojack, you know, they're able to blend in adult themes and adult humor like seamlessly. And what they're presenting in this trailer does not come off that way. And I, I hope... It does not become a detriment to the series, but we'll, we'll know in about a, a week or so. Also in the news is a possible Friends reunion uh, special in the works for HBO Max. 
this is, of course, coming off the heels after Jennifer Aniston joined Instagram and they all posted a picture together and made it seem like they were working on something. So maybe that's coming sooner rather than later. Who knows? Um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine has been renewed for a season eight uh, on NBC. Uh, despite the fact that we haven't even gotten season seven yet, which is supposed to drop in the spring as it is a mid-season replacement show. Uh, as it's called. Frank Miller has announced that Sin City will be getting a TV adaptation. Uh, No word yet on if they are going to remake any parts of the first two films, uh, or the first film, or the second film, or if it's going to be a continuation. And that's going to be coming from Lionsgate TV. Uh, Also no news on if Robert Rodriguez will be involved in any capacity, as uh, he did work on the first movie with... Uh, with Frank Miller. Uh, moving over to the Arrowverse side of things, as as always in, in the news right now, uh, Arrow Season 8 has wrapped production. They have finished filming the show, and uh, means we're getting to the beginning of the end there. And that's a... Uh, it's, it's sad. It's a sad thing, because I, I do love that show, and I've been watching, like I said, since the beginning. Um, but also announced that Kevin Smith will be hosting uh, some kind of after show on the CW after each of the five episodes of the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover event, uh, which I'm going to call the most ambitious crossover event in history. Screw Endgame. This is, this is bringing stuff across uh, decades at this point and even uh, able to, to bring people from animation to reality. <laughs> um but yeah, that's uh, a couple more weeks before the, the crisis starts. And in major streaming news, uh, it has, uh, it's been announced that Netflix has signed a $200 million deal with Nickelodeon, a multi-year licensing deal to produce animated films, TV shows, and more. Uh, This output arrangement, this is per Hype Beast and Deadline, uh, will allow Netflix to produce content based on existing Nickelodeon characters and create new, new properties. Uh, The first of which will be a SpongeBob um, uh, uh, spinoff focused on Squidward. So yes, the first thing that they're going to do is a new spinoff of spongebob fake focused on squidward so just to show that this deal is real that is what's happening next that's pretty nuts though that is uh that's pretty 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 awesome actually netflix doesn't really have a lot of streaming or excuse me nickelodeon doesn't really have a lot of streaming options and that is why people are hoping um, that's why people are hoping that Netflix gets all this so, so we can all, um, we can all watch it. And this actually brings an interesting question. I haven't looked on Disney plus, but this would be, like I said, this is going to be interesting. If Netflix signed this deal with uh, Nickelodeon and Disney plus exists, what happens with Doug? Because Doug was on Nickelodeon, and then it went to Disney. Like, you know, Doug, with his uh, dog Porkchop, and his neighbor, Douglas. You know, what if they would be on both? That'd be interesting. But uh, it'd be really cool to watch old Rugrats and stuff. I mean, I don't have orange tapes of everything, Okay. I just got Rocco, and uh, I do have um, Angry Beavers on, on on iTunes, but it'd be nice to watch those uh, on TV. It'd be nice to watch those on TV, and hopefully Netflix gets uh, gets a lot of that stuff. But uh, we're moving on to, to movies here. Uh, it was reported last week and is now official. Uh, Andy Serkis is confirmed as Alfred for The Batman, starring... Um, Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne in Batman. Uh, 
Uh, I don't know how I feel about this too much. Not a huge... Um, not a huge... I mean, Andy Serkis is okay in things, but... He doesn't always shine uh, in his live-action roles. And this is going to be his second... Or this is going to be another actor going from the uh, MCU to the DCEU, or, or however we want to call it. Uh, as he was Ulysses Claw in Age of Ultron and Black Panther. And now, um, now he's going to be uh, Alfred in Batman. Uh, again, I... I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. I, Andy Serkis is great in, in some roles. I love him as, as as Gollum. I like him as Caesar in the Planet of the Apes movies, which probably led to this because he's, he's already friends with Matthew Reeves. Um, and, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, Alfred's a, a touchy, touchy character. you got to make sure you do it right. Otherwise, uh, it could throw off the whole dynamic and, and the movie in general. Uh, I, for one, really like Jeremy Irons, and I, I wish, I wish he had more time in the role than than what he did. And uh, we'll we'll see how it how it plays out. Uh, we're still a, a year away, a year and a half, I think, of of the movie coming out, and I don't think they've started filming yet. So I'll uh, I'll wait to see some pictures of of how things look and and things like this before I I pass final judgment. Like I said in the past, I'm just kind of over judging things before, and it's it's time to let's let's see how things play out before I I just dump the automatic no on it. But but yeah, we'll see we'll see what happens with that. Uh, new rumors regarding Ghostbusters three, uh, and it it's rumored to be going under the title Ghostbusters Afterlife. And hopefully that doesn't mean that the original Ghostbusters have died in the timeline. That, that'd be a little unfortunate. Um, no word yet on if that uh, is true or not. That has yet to have been confirmed. So that's not something... Um, it's not something we can, can uh, uh, say is official just yet. Uh, coming off the release of the first images of the new Scooby-Doo movie, a trailer was released as well. Now, and... It just drives the point home that we should have had a better voice cast. I, I mean, he, um, he, uh, what's his, uh, what's his name? Um, Will Forte, who's playing Shaggy, is doing his best to imitate Casey Kasem, and it just sounds off. You should have just got Matthew Lillard to do it. And the thing that also threw me off is Scooby-Doo talks way too much in this movie. Does he talk a lot in the new cartoon? I'm not sure. But, like, from what I remember of watching the old cartoons and stuff, Scooby didn't talk that much. And in this trailer, I felt like he talked more than anyone. And that's really weird. Scooby's a dog. Yes, he said some things, but he wasn't supposed to, like, talk all the time. Like, that that's weird. It threw me off. And... Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. The new Sonic trailer is leaps and bounds better than than what was shown off a few months ago. And it looks so much better. They showed off stuff. It looks like Sonic lives in like Green Hill Zone at first before he comes into like our world. And I, it turns out there's a good reason for that. I, I guess, uh, I guess the artist from Sonic Mania went to the studio to help them redesign Sonic for the movie, and it's 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 a good thing because it went from looking like nightmare fuel to now looking like like Sonic, and and that's that's amazing. It's really awesome, and and now I actually want to see the film and. And give my money to, to support it. Because if before I was ready to just be like, nope, not watching that dumpster fire. But now it looks legit. And it looks worth watching now. Um, also got a new trailer for the new Spongebob movie. Which I'm surprised another one's coming out so quickly. I mean, it was almost 15 years between the first two, wasn't it? Um, 
I still haven't even seen Sponge Out of Water. I think that's what the second one's called. Anyway, uh, this one is called um, uh, this one's called Sponge on the Run, the SpongeBob movie. Uh, I guess he goes looking for Gary, and this one's all in in 3D animation, so it's not uh, not a cartoon, and and it's not uh, CGI. This one looks more like clay animation, and uh, some funny jokes in it. Granted, they were puns and more for kids, but um, looks really funny. And somehow they can go on land without having to breathe water anymore. Uh, but Keanu Reeves is in it in some capacity as like himself, like a floating head in a tumbleweed. Which Keanu literally is everywhere nowadays. He is uh, everywhere. And that's hilarious. The other thing that was funny is because SpongeBob can't drive, and you know that's a recurring theme in the show. Um, it shows him and Patrick in a boat that that drives itself. Oh God, that's funny. That's really funny. But that's how that's going. I'm wondering how that's going to play out. I wonder. It's so weird to see one come out so quickly again. Um. Oh, wait, never mind. That last Spongebob movie came out in 2015. Holy shit. Felt like that movie just came out. And then the first one came out in 2004. So it was a 10 year, 11 years between them. But, whoa, Jesus, that's crazy. That's nuts, right? Um, wow. Uh, Mark Wahlberg is in talks to join the Uncharted movie. And if you feel like you're having deja vu, it's because you probably are. Uh, Mark Wahlberg was originally attached to play Nathan Drake in the Uncharted movie a while back. And uh, this time, he is going to be playing... Uh, he's he's in talks to play Sully, which I'm not on board with. Um, I, I, he's not that much older than Tom Holland. Uh, Sully was supposed to be more like a father figure, not a 20-year gap. Um, I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. I don't, I was not, I'm not really on board with Tom Holland as Nathan Drake to begin with. We'll see how that plays out. And, uh, there was a rumor that, or not a rumor, but people wanted like, uh, Bruce Campbell to play Sully. And I think that would have been perfect casting, even with, uh, Tom Holland. But Sony just wants to make Tom Holland there their main star, you know, Spider-Man and Nathan Drake. Uh, Joker passed the $1 billion mark. Yes, that's $1 billion with a B. Uh, first rated R film to do so. And it's also the most profitable comic book movie. And that's a little surprising compared to some, um, some Marvel movies that have... Uh, large budgets and also have large returns. Granted, those films have much higher marketing budgets. So when you look at uh, the cost it took to make Joker and its marketing costs, its profits are so much more higher, um, so much more higher than what what they are um, compared to the, to those movies, and that's. It's pretty crazy to, to think about that, that um, Joker, of all movies, makes a billion dollars. And it just shows that the, the Batman brand is still very strong, discounting you know Justice League and Batman vs. Superman. There's other problems with those um, for most people, not everyone. I, I, I did enjoy both of them, but, but it, it just shows that, that the Joker has uh, staying power. I'm just looking at this now. Uh, domestically, it's made $323 million. Internationally, it's made $696 million for a worldwide total of $1,019,339,641. The big international halls include uh, South Korea, Russia, uh, Japan, Australia, you know, uh, Mexico does very well. Brazil, United Kingdom did almost a hundred million. That that's a lot for the UK. Uh, Spain pulled in a lot. 
like I said, Russia, you know, and uh, France pulled in 41 million, Germany 37 million. So it it it, it it's got good power overseas and you, places you don't think it would translate very well, and and it does. Um, you know, it's funny looking at some of these international numbers. It's like Asia big in the movies, Latin America not so much. Some of these countries didn't even even make a million dollars. And, uh, I mean, granted their money works a lot differently than, than the rest of the world, but, uh, to only make 411, $464 million. Like I know there's more people in Paraguay than that. Those are only like two theaters in the whole country. It's kind of weird. You don't even think about things like that, but uh, moving on, um, there's talk of a sequel. Uh, no word yet, though, on uh, what the reality of that situation is. I uh, got some news uh, out of the MCU. Um, with Disney Plus now out, we got some new art and some kind of trailers uh, for the upcoming MCU Disney Plus shows. Uh, the What If show looks amazing. That animation style looks really crisp and clean. We got looks at Zombie Cap as well as uh, Peggy Carter as Captain Britain. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. will be back for What If. We also got um, concept art for the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier show, which, which looks really cool, and the Hawkeye show. Uh, no word yet on casting for Kate Bishop. Uh, also, this uh, kind of came out last minute. Five new film release dates have been announced for October 2022, February 2023, May 23, July 23, and November 23. So we're getting four movies in 2023, which makes me think that phase, I think that's going to be the end of phase four. There's an event film in either middle of 23 or early 24 is based off those release dates. That's what that's what I'm thinking based on that. Uh, Disney Plus has also gotten new deleted scenes for Avengers Endgame, uh, especially the character uh, who is played by the 13 Reasons Why actress, which is uh, like the dream sequence Tony has after he snaps his fingers, similar to the one Thanos had with uh, with Baby Gamora after he snapped uh, his fingers at the end of Infinity War. Uh, that scene was deleted and, and is now available on Disney Plus. Uh, Kevin Feige... And uh, Alan Horn, chief of uh, Walt Disney Studios, announced that She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, and Moon Knight will uh, make their way into the feature films after premiering on on their respective series on Disney+. Plus. So expect to see them. And then uh, some Disney Plus news regarding Star Wars. Uh, in a shocking development, Another change has been made to the Han and Greedo scene in Star Wars A New Hope. And this came from George Lucas, apparently. This was done before Disney had bought Star Wars. So this has been uh, a few years in hiding, essentially. Um, best way to, to, to describe that. And it, it actually made like some legitimate changes. Um, let me describe them here for you guys. And uh, so the Han shoots first controversy, which is a very, very, very big controversy. Um, so now, after Han says yes, I'll bet you'll, I'll bet you have, it then cuts to a new shot of Greedo saying a phrase in in his language. I think he's speaking Huttese or Rodian, and uh, it's not translated. It's one of the only words that doesn't have subtitles, and it says sounds something like McClunk key. Nobody knows what it means. It's it. There's no subtitles in English for it, and um, yeah, this was done by George, I guess. So it's it's straight from George, and uh, someone from an expert on Star Wars on Twitter, I guess, apparently knows Huddies better than most people. Said that it translates apparently to "This will be the end of you," and uh, it's still uh, kind of changing up how. Han and Greedo fire at each other, and it's no longer Han shoots first, but more like, hey, we'll shoot at each other at the same goddamn time. Damn it, George, why'd you have to change it? Uh, K 
Kathleen Kennedy was was being asked about Kevin Feige's Star Wars film uh, and said that his film will explore new people and new places, but is still a ways off. There's uh, no timetable on when that film will be released as he still has focus on, on Marvel, especially since he just got promoted at Marvel. Um, and final bit of movie news, uh, more... Uh, more people are tweeting about to releasing the Snyder Cut. This time, the major stars of Justice League have jumped on this. Uh, Gal Gadot posted a, uh, a deleted photo from the films and hashtagging release the Snyder Cut. Ben Affleck tweeted out release the Snyder Cut. Uh, both of whom got a, a retweet from Zack Snyder. He also posted another clip or photo on Vero, which is a really... Um, off the beaten path social media app. And then Ray Fisher, the star of, uh, not the star of, uh, Cyborg himself tweeted, release the Snyder Cut. Now, is this a concerted effort by the stars? And will that means we'll see the release on HBO Max by Warner Brothers? Uh, is this just a ploy uh, by all of them to try and get people on the bandwagon no word yet but if uh i'll just say this release the snyder cut i'll just say that people want to see it i'm sure i saw a good article somewhere it's like yes maybe it's not that good of a movie but it might be better than the disjointed mess that the actual justice league was because it had joss whedon stuff and it had Zack snyder stuff all blended and meshed together and didn't flow well all the time. Um, and it's one of the only failed DCEU movies that did not get a extended edition like Batman vs. Superman did and Suicide Squad did and, and uh, things like this. So, I don't know. Um, before we talk about The Mandalorian, I just want to say, uh, as always, check out nixnerdnews.com where you can... Uh, find the links to all our social media pages. I do post a lot of funny memes that I find online. I don't claim them to be my own. I just want to point that out unless I do make them myself, which is rare. Uh, they are things I find on the internet. Uh, but you can go to our website uh, and find, like I said, links to all our social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or um, just follow us. Just just look, uh, search Nixner News. And uh, you'll see our logo there. Uh, also, on NixnerNews.com, you can find our show. And you can listen to old episodes, new episodes, listen right in your browser. Or you can find links to our Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcast pages. Uh, so if you prefer to listen on the go, everything is right there at your fingertips at NixnerNews.com. Uh, works on mobile and on desktop, so don't be afraid to do that. Um, but that is it for the normal part of the show. Uh, now we're going to talk a, about uh, The Mandalorian, so spoilers beware. Um, and I am going to give you guys a couple more seconds. I'm just going to prattle around here. And uh, okay. Time for spoilers. Well, hot damn, how about what happened in The Mandalorian? Huh? First off, the first episode is great. It starts off uh, unnamed planet in a bar, and then our character comes in and uh, makes quick work of the thugs. And uh, the the details in this show are great. Uh, the the comedy's a, a little off. Uh, not compared to, to normal Star Wars, but that that's okay. Um, the The creature design is awesome as well. Like in the first couple minutes, there's this epic, like, giant sea creature that turns out to look like a, a walrus, which is really awesome. A uh, lot of little cameos in the show, like Brian uh, Posehn, I think that's how you say his name. Um, large comedian, always known for his beard. Uh, he plays like a, a taxi driver. And uh, it's awesome because you can see uh, when the when he goes to collect his bounties, 
Um, he gets paid in Moncala currency or currency from Mon Calamari, you know, like uh, Admiral Akbar's people, and they they like they're like squishy and glowy, like like some undersea creatures. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, we get our first reference on screen, and let alone first sighting of a bathroom in Star Wars, and it's called the Vac Tube, uh, at least in the show. In the old canon, it used to be called a Refresher. So I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, really interesting deep lore with with the Mando culture. Beskar gets a mention. Uh, Beskar has been kind of light on references in the new canon. Uh, it is a metal that's native to Mandalore, and the Mandalorians use it for their armor. It used to be resistant to, um, to lightsaber strikes. It is resistant to some blaster fire, so... That's uh, a nice shout out there. It's what he's going to get paid on if he goes on his job for uh, Werner Herzog's character, who seems to be a formal, uh, a for, former Imperial character. And uh, he goes to this planet. Uh, he's searching for a 50-year-old Mark. Uh, the, 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 who he's searching for is 50 years of age. Uh, and he gets to this town, and he fights off of these pirates or something, and then IG-11 shows up, who turns out to be another bounty hunter. Uh, and there's a great firefight, essentially, in this scene, um, with the Mandalorian and IG-11 taking out guys left and right. And uh, this is the character played by Taika Waititi. And it's really funny, because every time they get kind of like bogged down, he's like, I will initiate self-destruct. And the Mandalorian's like, no, no, stop, hold on. Uh, then he gets on this big gun and takes everybody out, and it's really fucking awesome. Uh, and only for them to go in, and they find who they're looking for. And uh, when IG-11's about to take it out, uh, the Mandalorian shoots him in the head. Lo and behold, um, actually, you know, before I, m I miss that, uh, we got to meet Nick's, Nick Nolte's character, uh, who's an Ugnaught and a... Uh, Blurg Farmer. Blurgs have been around since the 80s. They were first shown off in the Ewoks Caravan of Courage film. I think they were native to Endor. Uh, you get some fun scenes back and forth between the, him and the Mandalorian. Uh, and the Mandalorian trying to tame a Blurg, which is really cool. But, uh, anyway, back to where we were. I uh, shoots IG-11 to find out who they're hunting. It's a baby. And it is a baby of Yoda's species. Yes, you heard that correctly. A baby of Yoda's species. Which has blown the fandom up in in a way I haven't seen in a long time. You know, one of George's rules with the old canon is uh, we could never know the species name. Um, we never knew where it came from. How they looked as, as infants or toddlers. Uh, there could usually only be one at a time, two at the most. Uh, and there's only been a few in the old canon. There was the one that was in Knights of the Old Republic and Knights of the Old Republic 2. I think there was one in the Old Republic. Um, there was Yaddle and Yoda. And the interesting thing about this is this one is um, 50 years old. So we, And uh, they age differently. So despite being 50, it's practically like a baby and um so 50 years old means it was was born in or around the time um uh, of of a phantom menace so that's that's pretty fucking big that means this thing was born around the time uh, so this, this, this child, this baby has been around since Yoda, before Yoda died. So it, it'd be very interesting, um, it'd be very interesting to know if Yoda knew about this baby, uh, as, you know, we don't know how his species communicates. Let's just put it that way. Um... And that that's an interesting thing all all by itself. So I am wondering how that's going to play out. And it ends with him kind of like putting his finger out. 
uh, to the baby. So we'll see. Uh, we'll we'll see how that that plays in. Um, we'll see how that plays out, but I don't know what the the goal is from there. Um, the second episode, meanwhile, uh, which came out a, a, a few days later, um, featured uh, him with the baby again, and it, and it's it's really funny because the the baby acts like a child would, you know, it eats a whole frog, <laughs> uh, but it's got this playful nature, a lot like uh, Yoda does in Empire Strikes Back when Luke first meets him. And, um, I, I don't know, it's, it's very, uh, very interesting. Uh, the second, the second episode was, uh, almost no talking in the first half. He fights a, a Trandoshan. We see that he, uh, happens to have a gun that disintegrates people. And it's, uh, it's really funny. Uh, which kind of plays into the line from Empire Strikes Back when Vader says to Boba Fett, no disintegrations. <laughs> um, so that's uh, that That was really cool to see. And then uh, he gets back to his ship, the Mandalorian, only to find it being scavenged by Jawas. And it ensues in this awesome chase scene where he starts climbing up a sand crawler and the Jawas are throwing everything they can at him. Meanwhile, the Yoda species is uh, following behind him in his little, like, hovercraft crib. It's hilarious to watch because he's just speeding along. By the way, the puppet on this thing is is amazing. Um, it, 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 everyone t- loves it, and you can see a ton of fan art, and unfortunately there won't be any... Um, unfortunately there won't be any uh, uh, merchandise on it available just yet. They didn't want to spoil... Uh, didn't want to spoil the character, obviously. Um, after that, then there is... Um, he catches up with them. He meets back up with uh, Nick Nolte's character, the Ugnaught. And they they essentially talk... Uh, they get to talk with the, the Jawas. And we still don't know if it's Tatooine. Because these Jawas are a little different. They don't say Utini... And they have gray robes. Their eyes are a little different. But uh, they drive a sand crawler in their Jawas. They ask, and apparently the Mando speaks Jawa, which that in itself is crazy. Uh, They want him to get an egg. So he goes with the little baby Yoda, which is really funny that it just follows along in his little uh, repulsor craft crib. And... Uh, he goes to fight this giant creature, and it's, um, I don't know, it looks like a hairy rhino, but uh, it's really funny. He ends up barely winning, but he only wins because the baby uses the force to help him win the fight against this giant beast, and knocks the baby out. He gets uh, really tired from, from using the force like that. He is a child. Um, and then he brings the, he, he gets the egg from it and brings it to the Jawas. They crack it open and start eating the yolk right there, which is really funny. Um, and he starts describing the event to Nick Nolte's character, the Ugnaught. Apparently both of them have never seen the force in use, which is kind of shocking. Um, just in terms of the fact that the Ugnaught has been around for quite a while and the Mandalorian uh, was alive at the time of the Clone Wars. So it's it's kind of interesting to, for him to not really know about Jedi and the Force. Granted, Mandalorians and the Jedi have a uh, tenuous relationship at best. But uh, then the episode ends with them rebuilding his ship after he got his parts back from the Jawas. And uh, like I said, interacting with the little baby, which was, was fun to see. Um, but... I wonder how things will play out in the future. Uh, he was hired to, to capture this baby and bring him to Werner Herzog's Imperial character and a doctor character that um, if he turns him over, he'll get enough Beskar to, to make new armor. And my question is, 
is he ruthless enough to turn over what's essentially a baby to Imperial scientists? Or will he find a way to hide him or something like this? But what's clear is we, um, we have a lot more information on Yoda's species, though. Uh, still no name. And uh, still no idea where he comes from or what's going to happen with it. But it will be... Um, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out, and I, I can't wait to see how how things progress. Uh, episode 3 is coming out on Friday, and uh, we'll talk about it more next week. But uh, that's it for Nixner News. Thanks, guys, for listening. That was just my recap of The Mandalorian. It's probably my new favorite show right now. I, I think it's an amazing addition to the Star Wars mythos and uh, on-screen Star Wars adaptations. I can't wait to see more. I'm happy it's getting a second season, and it gives me high hopes for what the Kenobi show will be. Uh, other than that, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick. This was Nick's Nerd News. I will catch you guys on the flip side.